My message this morning is making the Christian life work. Last week I talked about there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. And then I also talked about how the law stirs up the power of sin. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about the power of sin this morning. And then I talked about when we believe what God says is true about us. If we actually believe it and we see ourselves in a new way, then our behavior automatically changes. We don't have to work on our behavior. Our behavior will automatically change. And I want you to see that this morning. But if we buy into the thinking that we are not, we do not believe who God says that we are, then we will find ourselves walking after the flesh. This morning, I want to spend some time connecting the dots, putting the pieces together, because there seems to be a lot of confusion about how the flesh, our flesh, affects our Christian walk. Now, what do you think when you read the Bible and Paul says that I have a thorn in my flesh? And he prayed three times that God would remove that thorn. And the answer came back from God. Paul, get used to it. Because I'm not going to take it away. And Paul discovered that it was his weaknesses that made him strong. But when we think of what Paul went through, we think that the flesh is our body. And most Christians, when they go through the epistles and they see the word flesh, they automatically think that God is talking about their body, which is not true. Now, in this case, it was true. So if you thought, that Paul was talking about his flesh being his body, you would be correct. He was. There was affliction. Nobody knows what that affliction was, but he was talking about his body. But then, when you go <clears throat> to 1 Corinthians one twenty-six, for consider your calling, brethren, that they were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. So Paul is simply saying here that there are many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty according to the flesh, not many noble according to the flesh. So we have a different picture of the meaning of the flesh. Here, the flesh provides a sense of identity, <clears throat> whether from an intellectual attributes or a physical characteristic or a social status. I like to think of the flesh 
as a worldly way that we can be okay. A worldly way that we can be okay. That's what I think of when I think of the flesh. Every Christian has a unique version of the flesh and has been shaped in them through their formative years. All of us, every one of us has struggled with aspects of the flesh patterns. Whether it has been self-rejection, indifference, being critical, being self-centered, self-indulgent, or years of just pent-up frustration. We have patterns of our flesh. Now, some years ago, I took a test. My wife and I, we took it on the Taylor Johnson test, 180 questions. And I answered those questions as honestly as I could, as she did. After we took the test, a counselor got together with us, <clears throat> and he gave me the results of the test. He gave me the results of what my flesh looked like. And I was shocked when I saw the results of those tests. Here I was, a pastor. I had been a minister for some 20-some years, and it showed that my flesh, that I was indifferent. Now, if somebody would have said to me, Gary, do you feel that you're indifferent? I would have said, absolutely not. No, I said, I would say that no, as a pastor, I made all my hospital visits. I did everything that I could, that I didn't think that I was indifferent. But the test showed that I was. That I saw myself as being indifferent. So all of us, we see ourselves maybe in a different light than which we actually are. So here we are, a congregation this morning, self-centered people trying to milk acceptance out of people and out of this world. It appears that every one of us have a thorn in the flesh. It's that old flesh patterns that is in the body. When God came into our life, we were born again. We were born new. We now had a new spiritual birth. But in our bodies, we would find ourselves running into a brick wall every single time we tried to fix ourselves. So here's the problem. The flesh will build any kind of identity as long as it gains love, attention, and acceptance. The Bible cites the deeds of the flesh, and it talks about gossiping and lusting but it even brings out the spiritual aspect by employing fleshly efforts. 
So the flesh is the way that we think. It's the way that we walk. And it works against the spirit. There's one thing that the flesh is not. And this is where it's going to be hard to believe. The flesh is not you at the core. It is with us, but it is not us. Now that's kind of using, isn't it? That here we have the flesh is with us, but not us. Paul called it the power of sin. Well, the question is, how in the world can this be? What do you mean when you say it's not you? God made it possible for you and I to go under a radical change. He gave you an opportunity to get a heart transplant. And we know that scripture well now, Ezekiel 36, 26. The prophet said this, moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So here it is. He's going to remove the heart of stone and he's going to give us a new heart but the Bible says that he's going to give us a new human spirit. Now, if the problem is solved, which we would think it is because God gave us a new heart, he gave us a new spirit, problem solved. Well, why is it that we don't feel that it's solved? Why is it that we've been Christians for many, many years and it seems like we feel the same. Now, I've heard people say that, well, when I first accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I really fell in love with God. and I really wanted to do everything that God wanted me to do. But then I just kind of grew away from it. And now my feelings is that uh, I, I need to get back. That's what people say. I need to get back. I need to get back to my first love. And then sometimes your mind goes to Revelation when it talks about the Laodicea church. And, oh, yeah, that's what I need to do. I need to get back to my first love. Well, let's start from the very beginning. What are we? What are you? Well, the Bible says that you are spirit. You are soul. And you have a body. We were born with a human spirit, every single one of us. That spirit was dead to God. We were born th through the inheritance of Adam. Adam brought sin into this world, and you and I were born sinners doesn't seem fair. We didn't ask to be born, but we were born and we were born 
sinners. Paul says in Romans 7, he describes it as an, this, this, this thing within us, this power of sin, is sort of an evil presence, he says. An evil presence. So we were born with this dead spirit. It was not alive to God. We were born in Adam. And then the Bible says that we were reborn in Christ. So we were spiritually reborn. Our spirit became alive. All right, so we have a spirit. And then the Bible says that we were born with a soul. Now, what is a soul? Well, people will say, well, it's your, your, your mind, your will, your emotions. And, of course, the Greek word for soul we get the same word from psychology or our personality. So when we say, what is a soul? We sort of think of our soul as our personality. It's our will, it's our mind, it's our emotions. So we are born with a thinker, that's our mind. We're born with a chooser, that's our will, we can choose. And we're born with a feeler. When our mind receives messages from the power of sin, these messages can feel and sound just like it's us. And here is where confusion comes. We can read the scripture, you can hear a sermon, and you can say to, in your mind, yes, that's true. And so we come to this conclusion Okay, I'm recreation. Okay, I'm new. But I don't feel new. I'm new. But I don't think that I'm new. I'm new. But I don't act like I'm new. If we are not aware or if we don't believe that our old self, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that our old self was dead, was crucified, and buried. If we don't believe that, we'll find ourselves walking after the flesh. In Romans 6.12, the Bible says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its lust. So it's possible, according to the scripture, to act in a way that is inconsistent with who we are. Now there is a process going on. There's the finished work of Christ, and there's a process. The process is in the soul. The finished work of Christ is in here. It's in that new heart, that new spirit that God gave you. That is the finished work of Christ. When he said, it is finished, the sin issue was over. No one will be lost because of sin. It'll only be because of unbelief. All right. So now we understand that that's, that that's the truth. Now, this process, we have this chooser, this will, 
that we have. And we find out that the truth is that we are dead to sin. And if we are dead to sin, then we can resist the probing of sin. Our calling as a new creation in Christ is to say no to sin and yes to who we really believe we are. So we have a soul, we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. Now everybody know what the body is. Some have said that it's our earth suit. I like that. It's our earth suit. I had a member of the church that I pastored before. He always referred everything to his earth suit. Now, I want you to notice what happens when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior. We already read it. God removes the heart of stone, the Adam, the Adam heart that we, re, that we inherited. He removes that heart of stone and he replaces it with his heart. He does that surgery. He opens us up, gives us a new heart, and then he gives us a new spirit that dwells in that new heart. Now, so we are born again. This is what is so difficult, it seems like, in the Christian church today. It is your birth. You're born again. You're new at the core. It is your birth, not your performance, that determines your true identity. It's really important that we understand that. It is our birth, not our performance. This new heart, this new spirit, that is where we commune with God. That is where we are connected to God. Deep in the core of a new heart and a new spirit. Now keep in mind, when you are born again, you did not get a new soul. What is the soul? The mind, the will, the emotions. You didn't get a new personality. You came into the Christian walk with the same personality that you had. It still, still is. We still have the same sense of humor before we became a Christian as we do now. We still have some of the same interests, some of the same hobbies. So our personality didn't change. The change came deep within us, in the core of us, in that new heart, in that new spirit. Our souls they have a choice. It can walk in the spirit or it can walk in the flesh. And that's the way it is. We start maybe in the morning. We start and we thank God for the, for the day and everything. We get in our car. We go to work. There's somebody cuts in front of us. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden now, we respond by the flesh. Well, 
after we <clears throat> go through that, then maybe, uh, maybe a little bit later we think, okay, everything has calmed down, everything is okay, and we feel that we're back in the spirit. And then we feel, because of circumstances, we are back in the flesh. So, we're in the spirit, we're in the flesh. Our bodies make those choices. So here we are. It's the same now. The body, the soul has a choice. The body has a choice. We can walk after the spirit in the body or we can walk after the flesh. There is nothing wrong with our bodies. There's nothing wrong with our bodies. But we can make wrong choices, can't we? And we do. We make wrong choices. When we walk after the flesh, we are not being who we really are. We are not being ourselves. The power of sin wasn't changed when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. The power of sin didn't get saved. We did. The power of sin won't change in this life. And Jesus says that he's going to come back and he's going to give us a new body. Why is he going to give us a new body? He's going to give us a new body to match that perfect heart that he has given us. It's going to match. It's going to be a perfect match. There'll be no power of sin in that new body. But we need to lock in one truth before we go any further. And that is your spirit is rock solid. It's rock solid. There is a process going on in the soul. But your spirit, you have a new heart, a new spirit that the Bible says is blameless, that the Bible says is perfect, and it's perfect forever. And the reason we know that it's perfect forever, because the Bible says in Ephesians that the Holy Spirit has sealed you. He sealed that perfectness, that blameless. He sealed you unto the day of redemption. You are locked in. And that's why the Bible says that you are seated in the heavenlies. It's already completed. You are heaven bound. There's going to be a reality to all of this when Jesus Christ comes. You are going to receive a new body. Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 4 to 6. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been, past tense, you have been saved. And 
raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenlies, places in, in Christ Jesus. Most born-again Christians know that God solved the problem with their sins when he shed his blood on the cross. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he took away the sins, not just of you, the sins of the world. He took away the sins of the world. His blood covered the sins of the world, the Bible says. But what the majority of Christians have not seen is that God solved the problem with the source. Your old man through the body of Christ on the cross. Now, here is something again that is hard to believe. It's hard to comprehend. The things of God are so wonderful, it's too good to be true. Hebrews 10.10. 10. By this will we have been sanctified. Now, I want, you to, I, want, I want you to see it. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body, not of the blood, of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. So, we have been sanctified. What is sanctification? Well, sanctified means that you have been set apart for holy use. That's what the Bible says that every one of us were. We were set apart for holy use. How do we know this? Well, the Bible says that we were seated in the heavenlies already. It's a done deal. We're already seated in the heavenlies. We are sanctified through the body of Christ. When you were sanctified through the body of Christ... Whether you felt it, whether you believed it, you experienced a change in your identity. You went from a sinner to a saint when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Do you sin? Of course. Are you a sinner? No, you're a saint who occasionally sins. That's who you are. You are a saint. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now the Bible says that you were crucified with Christ. When you were crucified with Christ, now we're talking about the inner, inner core of you, your new heart, your new spirit. When you receive Christ as your personal Savior, that new heart, that new spirit is blameless, is holy. It is everything that God says it is. And you are everything God says you are. You received an exchanged life. 
That's what happened to you when you accepted Christ. Whether you understood it, believe it, you received an exchanged life. You exchanged your life. When you ask Christ to come into your life, you exchanged your life for his life. And now the Bible says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives where? Lives in me. He lives in me. Where does he dwell? He dwells in the inner core of my being, in that new heart, in that new spirit that God gave me. You are a brand new person in Christ. You are a new creation, and you desire to do God's will. Yeah, deep down in your core, you desire to do his will. You're brand new. Yeah, you can get tripped up. All of us do. You can choose to walk according to the flesh, maybe because of circumstances that have come into your life, maybe because of what you're going through. But that does not change your identity. As a child of God, you are one spirit with God. I know what some may be thinking. Well, that all sounds good. That sounds really great. But how can I be an emotional wreck? And how can my Christian walk be up and down and all around and still be saved? Well, I have an easy answer for you. You are saved because you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And your spirit is rock solid. Nothing can change that. That's why the Bible says that he will, no one can pluck you out of his hand because your inner being is rock solid. What you may be going through because of circumstances and different issues right now, and the overall picture is meaningless. You are heaven-bound. You are already seated in the heavenlies. That's your destiny. That's where you will end up. The Bible says that not only are you rock solid, but Ephesians says that the Holy Spirit when you said yes to God, God said yes to you, he sealed you unto the day of redemption. Now you may have been, been, maybe it's because of some of the teachings that you were brought up in, but you may have been brought up and even refused to believe that you are in Christ because of man-made traditions. You see, there's a lot of man-made traditions that make no allowances for what I'm showing you and teaching you this morning. Man-made religion is performance-based religion. It all depends on how you perform. And thank God that that is not true. You were taught, maybe, as I was, 
If it's too good to be true, it's not true. But I'm telling you, this is. It is too good to be true, but it's true. And God's word testifies to it. You are a brand new you. You've got a lot to be thankful for. You're heaven bound. Yeah, there's some difficulties in this life. Yeah, there's circumstances that throw us off. Yes, we listen sometimes to our flesh and we walk accordingly. But we get back on track because Christ lives in us. We get back on track. And thank God that it's not our performance, it is our identity, who we really are. Who does God say we are? And who do we believe that we are? So it's all true. I have God's word to testify that it's all true. It is true. Now, he guarantees it. It's not me that's guaranteeing it. He does. I started a good work in you, and I will finish it. As you know, I have three sons. And all three sons, sometime in their life, they made some wrong choices. And I know that I made plenty of them as I was growing up. And I told all three of them the same thing. I told them I'm not worried about you at all. God started a work, a good work in you, and God promised me that he would finish it. That it wasn't up to me to finish it. That he would finish it. And I am so thankful and I praise him every day that he is finishing it. He is finishing it. God started a good work in every one of us. God made us promises. He says, not only did I promise to not only did I promise you eternal life, but I, I promised you an abundant life. Now, in our souls, we are growing. We are learning. And the Bible says to us, whenever you have any questions, please renew your mind. What is renewing your mind? It's believing what God says is true about you. It's not our theology. Renewing our mind is looking at Scripture and seeing how God looks at us. And I know that when you pick up Hebrews and he says that you're perfect forever, I know we don't feel perfect, but he said it. He said it. In our inner core, that deep down inner core, that new heart, that new spirit, we are exactly what God says we are. We are perfect. God says that we are blameless. God says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He'll be with us all the way to the end. All the way to the end. We need to believe it. Because it's true. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the word. We're thankful, Lord, 
that you have the answer to our perplexing problems. And I thank you that we are learning. We are growing. Oh, Father, thank you so much for that. Now I pray that you will bless us, continue to bless us, continue to teach us, continue to be real to us. We're thankful for that new heart. We're thankful for that new spirit. And we will praise you throughout eternity. Bless each and every one of us here this morning. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.